welcome to my podcast, John Scott Lawton's English You Know. In this episode, I interview Priscilla Morris from loudandclearuk.com about protecting your voice, looking after your voice so that you can use it on a regular and frequent basis without fear of harming it in some way. What damage do we actually do to our voice if we strain it, if we try to speak when we're tired, for example? Is there anything we can do to prevent damage to our vocal cords? And if we do cause damage or have a sore throat, how do we manage the situation? Priscilla gives us simple hints and tips, ways in which we can survive giving a presentation even when we know we're not at our best. Maybe we have a cold or we're recovering, for example, from COVID, which many people have now experienced and they're finding they have difficulties with giving good speech production. Why is it important to protect our voice? And what difference does it make to the speaker or listener if our voice isn't clear? Hopefully you'll find some useful information in this podcast, and there's plenty more on Priscilla's website, which I've put links to in the podcast description. There are lots of free materials there, which you can use to help you read about the topic and to understand more fully why the voice is such a vital part of our personality. Thank you very much for listening. So thank you very much, Priscilla, for agreeing to join us on the podcast again today. And it's very nice to meet you again. How are you? I am very well, thank you. I think we've all been battling through the last 18 months, haven't we? But we're all still here. <laughs> yes. And we've both found, and we've all found really, innovative ways in which to carry on our work. Um, I teach English and I used to do that face to face. Now I'm doing it principally mostly online. And how about yourself? How has your work changed in the last 18 months, My would you say? It's changed hugely because all of my work, almost all of it before COVID, was in person. But now, almost all of it is online. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, one of the things that I noticed during the last 18 months has been that I've been very busy, because I think people have suddenly found they have time, which they wouldn't have had before, because perhaps they're working from home or they're not having to travel as much and they're using that time to upskill mm -hmm. to learn something new or to do something that's going to help them move forward so for me it's been a very busy time uh, I have even done some workshops online which was very interesting <laughs> yes the one-to-one -one approach works brilliantly particularly with I use zoom a lot but it works obviously well within teams and within skype but one-to-many does require particular development of a particular set of skills to do it well doesn't it i i think the interesting one for me was watching the little boxes with the heads occasionally go blank and you you suddenly were thinking oh dear what have i done mm. <laughs> uh, what have i said yeah <laughs> yeah because uh, of course normally you'd, you'd be able to see all of the people all the time but it's a very different a different thing isn't it when you're working online like this but uh, but live workshops are coming back in aren't they yes talking of which you did one this week and I'm, I'm going to introduce today's theme which is actually protecting the voice um, I've got a cold I think at the moment I'm not sure it's COVID or not. I've no idea whether it's post-COVID or not but as a language teacher it's very important that I have a good voice but this week I have to admit that I'm struggling you work 
um, a lot with people who use their voices extensively. And could you explain to me who you're with this week and why uh, you were with them? Yes. Uh, my workshop this week was actually for Swim England, which is a professional body for swimming teachers and coaches. And I was booked by Sheffield City Council to do a half day workshop on voice protection and projection for about 20 of their swimming coaches. It's something I've been doing actually since the late 1990s. I'm the only person in the country that delivers it. It's a specialized course, which I devised after they had contacted me looking for someone to help them because you can imagine what a very bad place it is for the voice if you're poolside. So someone trying to teach there in an environment which is very noisy, echoey, uh, full of chemicals, hot, um, the humidity, all of those things are dreadful for the voice. But of course, they have to, that's how they earn their living. So they have to do it. So it, it's very important that they understand the correct way to power their voices and that they learn the technique and practice it so that they can switch it on when they're working. It's not easy because as you will know, John, we get into habits, don't we? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Our habit of the way that we happen to speak is something that's very diff difficult to shift, really hard, yeah. um, but it can make a huge difference. And I know over the years, I've sometimes met people again who've been on the course and they have said it was life-changing for them. Uh, sadly, I also meet people who are either pre or post-operative for growths on their vocal cords, which are called nodules. And this damage occurs when you don't use your voice correctly. Is that the main kind of damage that you're likely to see, that there's a, a very physical, physiological impact of having strained the voice for so long? That is the end of the road example, I would say. Before that, there is a whole process that people go through where the voice just doesn't feel right. Uh, it perhaps gets a little bit croaky. For a woman, they might find that the top notes of the voice don't function anymore. The problem with damage to the voice is that it takes place over a long period of time. So you can get away with it for years, but eventually, if you're using it wrongly day after day, you will notice a difference. And sometimes it can be almost impossible to get back what has been lost. Quite often it, you have to cope with uh, protecting what's left. Uh, I'm actually working with a, an individual client at the moment as well, um, who's in his seventies and his voice has deteriorated to such an extent that I think it really it's damage limitation now. Um, but it, it, he's definitely lost most of the power of his voice. And it's through using it incorrectly for, you know, most of his life. We've mentioned um, people, coaches working in noisy environments like swimming pools. And, and I mentioned being a teacher. What other kind of occupations or professions are particularly prone to damage to the voice? It's anything where the voice is 
your means of communication almost full time. So, you know, people who work in call centers uh, will have problems with this. Any, any um, job, I think, where it's con you're constantly on the phone. So this sort of thing, where the voice is your main means of earning a living. Coming to this kind of advice, we'll, much of the advice we'll give, not only for occupations, and we've spoken about coaching and teaching, but will be useful for people giving presentations as well, won't it? Because okay. although that's in a different physical environment, it still demands the voice be used properly and well. Yes, so there's some very good advice coming, which will help many people. Absolutely. Okay. So um, is there anything that can be done to prevent damaging our vocal cords? So not looking at cure, but prevention? Yes, uh, quite a lot. I, I think the most important of all is looking at where the source of the power comes from because a lot of damage is caused from people trying, trying to power their voice from their throat. So tightening up the throat muscles uh, and trying to speak on what I would call tidal breathing. So um, if, if the listeners want to think about how they're feeling at the moment, just sitting there and listening to this podcast and have a little awareness on what is happening with the breathing, I think what they will notice is that it's upper chest. So there's something going on in the upper part of the chest where you get that sense of movement out and movement in. So this is what we call tidal breathing. And it's what we do when we're at rest, when we don't need anything hugely physical to power um, because we're not, we're not doing anything loud, if you like, in the way of speaking. And what most people don't realize is that there is a different way to power the, the voice and that is a much something that happens much lower in the body uh, technically it involves using the muscles that uh, move the ribs the diaphragm and the abdominal muscles and i when i'm trying to teach it i tend to say to people don't worry too much about all the physical things but think about expanding the bellows that exist in the middle of your body. Because actually, technically, what's happening is that the lower ribs are moving away from each other, sort of sideways slightly. Well, ribs are actually expanding all the way around a little. And that, as soon as that action starts, the diaphragm, which had been in a high domed position, is pulled down and flat which allows the lungs to drop too. So suddenly you get this sensation of not just filling up the top of the lungs, but the lungs being filled up right down to the stomach, which is a little strange, but, but that's sort of the feeling we get. So it, the idea of expanding the bellows sideways or sometimes an image of blowing up a balloon in the center of, a bo of your body with the air going in at the stomach. That can help people a little as well. But the, what we feel is a slight expansion at the side and the stomach releasing forwards. Um, we don't put it there. It's just actually pushed there by the diaphragm. So if, if people want to experiment with this, just that sense of expanding the midsection of the body is, is the best way to feel uh, how the body reacts to the need for extra air. 
the other thing of course is is to give yourself a physical challenge so if you're running for a bus or you're on a treadmill running on a treadmill you will feel that deep breathing because the body will do it in that situation unfortunately when we speak the need is not the same and so we have to do it consciously Very good and that's all putting if you don't do it appropriately it's all putting a strain on the vocal cords now it's difficult in audio to explain this but could you say a little bit about the vocal cords how they yes. work and and what they not necessarily look like but why they are so important yes let, let me just lead into the vocal cords if you like if you think about the air coming out of the lungs it then all joins together in the windpipe if your upper chest breathing, your tidal breathing, then the air that goes into that windpipe is, is not very thick. It doesn't really fill the space. And of course, the voice box, your larynx, is always in use because the air has to pass through it on the way out. But if you want to speak, the message goes to the brain and those two little vocal cords that are resting on the outside of the voice box come together in the middle and wave against the air. So if the air is rather thin, then the note that is produced is also fairly weak. If there is a nice strong column of air, which is produced by that deep breathing, then when, it come, when they come together in the middle of the airstream, the note that they can create by the vibration is much stronger and it, it's, it's much, it's potentially going to be more easy to hear. It's interesting to note that at that moment of creation, the note is inaudible to the human ear. So this is something that surprises everybody. Yeah. Because when you put your hand around your throat at the top and just say something like, hello, everybody, which the listeners can try. Now, you put your hand just around the throat Mm -hmm. uh, at the top and go hello everybody hello you everybody feel, you can feel those vibrations can't you john yes you can feel them so they feel very strong but that's because those tiny little vocal cords which are absolutely minute are vibrating super frequently now by that i mean depending on the pitch that's being produced there will be a certain number of repetitions of that movement per second. So in a voice like mine that you're hearing at the moment, it's probably going to be somewhere between 200 and 250 times a second. For a voice like yours, John, perhaps 100 times a second, between 75 and 100. It varies a little bit uh, with the individual. But even you know, at, at 75 times a second, you need a lot of air to cushion that effort. Mm -hmm. That's why we get tired mm -hmm. when we speak, if we're yes. not powering it properly. We feel it, we feel the, feel the tiredness in that area of the neck and we also feel it in the throat because mm -hmm. we try and compensate by tensing up the muscles in the throat. Uh, and sometimes you can even see it if you're looking at a speaker, if they're doing it, the neck is tense. Yes. And is this why people get problems with the muscles around the neck and even into their shoulders, um, literally by yes. being over tense? 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I is very important when when we're thinking about this deep breathing is, of course, it doesn't come right up to the shoulders. It, it, you don't have to do um, an impression of, you know, Mr. Muscle Man uh, with with huge, great hugging shoulders. You just breathe into the central part of the body. So it's actually from um, from the breast down to the stomach is the area we're talking about. And there shouldn't be any lift in the shoulders at all. The best thing to do probably to get a sense of what you do normally is to stand in front of a nice big mirror, take some big breaths and see what's going on. What um, could you do as a kind of, if you do cause damage and get a sore throat, how can you manage that situation? Let's say somebody bit like myself if i was to give a, a lecture tomorrow i'd be really struggling because i've been speaking each day now i've had a six-day week this is you know the end of that week and let's say i had a, an hour's lecture to give tomorrow how could i get through that day when i feel like i've just got no voice left well your friend is rest <laughs> so actually the best thing to do of all is not to talk but my my goodness that's very difficult to do Next most important is steam, mm -hmm. because there is one thing that can actually get directly to your vocal cords, and that is steam. So I have a very simple little um, contraption, which I bought many years ago, which is called a steam inhaler. And it's just two pieces of plastic, uh, which unscrew. In the bottom, you put your hot water. Mm -hmm. you it back together again and the top bit fits over the nose and mouth and if you breathe in that steam nice and slowly for five to ten minutes it feels so much better because of course your vocal cords need moisture that's mm -hmm. why it's always important to keep your water intake up if you're using your voice a lot mm -hmm. uh, but the steaming can really help particularly if you're feeling a little bit poorly so with your cold it would be perfect mm -hmm. uh, and it's also useful if uh, you are about to do something that is putting your voice under pressure so a, a full day of training if you're a trainer or um, anything I suppose really which is uh, so if you're working in a call center it might be something that you put into your morning routine before you go to work. Mm -hmm. So give give your vocal cords a, a good soaking with some steam. Uh, and at the if your voice is tired at the end of the day, again, steaming will help you recover quickly. Mm. But in a sense, that's both a preventative strategy and a maintenance strategy, isn't it? It's yes. again giving you the opportunity to lubricate, in a way, uh, the throat um, in order to produce good sounds. What else can be done as short-term strategies to help improve the quality of your speaking voice? It's something people, I mean, accents, dialects, that's one thing, but the actual cadence or the, the quality of the voice, how can that be improved so that people can be, you know, some people are quite self-conscious about their voice and don't yes. like it. Um, I've even had people recorded for the podcast who said, oh, no, you can't present that because I don't like the sound of my voice. If that were the case, um, one it's a very complex thing i know but just in terms of general voice quality what for you can be done to to improve that well the first thing of course is to understand that 
almost nobody likes the sound of their voice. So it's a universal problem, uh, mainly created by the fact that we think we sound one way, but actually in reality, we don't. Uh, so the fact that we feel our own voice internally in the head and everybody else hears how it travels through the air. So there's always going to be a mismatch there. But what I usually say to people is be, a, be aware of, of your voice and the quality of it and how it feels and listen. Don't just carry on regardless. Listen. So if you're feeling tired, rest it. If you have to use your voice, don't force it. So try and use natural sound. If you've got a sore throat, then gargle and particularly gargle with natural oil like tea tree. Well, in fact, tea tree is the only one I recommend. It's a natural anesthetic and antiseptic. It will help what is wrong get better and it will not hurt you. That is important. One of the things that I dislike most are the standard throat sweets you can buy in any chemist when you have a sore throat because all you're doing is putting chemicals into your body which they don't need. Your body doesn't need it. It's just as good to suck a few sweet fruit pastels because they'll give you saliva and saliva is a natural lubricant and drink honey and lemon in nice warm water. Again, it's very soothing. It's not going to cure you, but it'll feel pleasant. And it's much better than something that is full of chemicals, you know, which isn't going to do you any, any good at all. And another thing that you can do is a very simple warm up to get your muscles going. Remembering that your voice is a muscular system. You're using lots of muscles to produce it. So you can start off by just sitting there and doing a few deep breaths and then a little humming just to bring the voice to the front. Uh, and then you can do what I call the voice siren, which is a little um, playing around with the notes in your voice. So thinking about a low note and then so just having a little up and down on your notes and then perhaps some simple tongue twisters uh tongue twisters lip twisters that you perhaps learned as a child or that you know you can find on the internet just to get the articulation moving getting your mouth moving as well because if if the voice is feeling a bit poorly, you need to compensate in some way. So rather than forcing the, the power, what about opening your mouth a little bit more so that the sound comes out a little bit more clearly? And that aligns, that's, that sort of chimes, pardon the pun, very well with the kind of advice I give as a language teacher, particularly for English. People forget that there is a lot of lot going on literally in the mouth and in the throat as well. So we've actually got to, I often encourage students to open their mouth a little more, maybe not as much as you might when speaking French, but that's a sort of debatable point, but certainly to exercise the mouth and the muscles, because whenever speaking a foreign language, you're going to be using different parts of the mouth differently than you would in your own language. Um, and that's quite a technical thing, but it, it's really important. 
Um, there are yeah. actors, aren't there, who don't speak on certain days of the week. I know Larry Hagman, who used to be in Dallas, he never spoke on a Sunday, did he? <laughs> I love that. It's, it's a wonderful, a wonderful little bit of information, isn't it? Everybody has to find their own way, don't they? And find mm. what works for them. Uh, but, but I think the key is be aware. Don't ignore it. Mm -hmm. it. It's funny, isn't it, that most of the time, if we get a pain in one of our limbs or something like that, we're, we're you know, hot footing it off to the doctor if we, if we can um, and going, what's wrong with my leg, my arm, you know, whatever. But when the voice feels poorly, we sort of carry on regardless. It's almost as if we're saying, oh, well, the voice will always be there. It'll always work, but it won't. No. Not if we don't treat it right. Which leads us in really to this point of why is it so important to protect our voice, would you say? Well, because we want our voice, our voice represents us, doesn't it? it? It is who we are to the world. And I'm sure we all want that to be as positive an experience for others as possible. We want to sound nice. We want people to like what we're saying to them. And scientifically, we know that how we speak to people is more important than what we say. So we, it's really important. We don't want to give people an unpleasant tone. And certainly that will happen if we're forcing the voice from the throat. So instead of this open sound, which I hope you can hear from a nice open throat, because I'm breathing from, from deep down, you get this sort of sound, which is what happens when you force your voice from the throat. And as you can hear, it's quite unpleasant. The listener receives your voice differently to the way in which you produce it by definition. Um, and in, indeed, as you said, some people don't like, and we both said that people don't like the sound of their own voices. Um, what difference does it make to the, the speaker, first of all, to, to have a voice which they're proud of? How do you feel that enters into our own psychology of ourselves? Well, it gives you confidence, doesn't it? You know, if, if, particularly if you understand your voice, you understand what is good practice. So getting the volume right, getting the control right. So you're, you're nice and clear in the way it comes across uh, and also getting the tone right. So the tone is showing sincerity to the audience. It's showing your connection with the words. Uh, and all of this can be affected if, if there is a bit of a mismatch in, in the way that the voice is being produced. So I suppose the most important thing of all is, is understanding what makes it tick, you know, what's going on, and, and then applying that. And as you said, for the listener, the listener receives our voice differently. I think it's a very good point you make about, you know, some listeners can be irritated by certain people's voices, partly because, you know, bluntly as the way they sound but also maybe the person's under stress and they read that from the tone uh, of the, the speaker's voice is there anything that um you would say to that 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 could change yes you're very right about that we can hear tension can't we we hear tension we hear stress in in the way someone sounds i wonder sometimes whether that's because we put ourselves into that situation sometimes without sufficient preparation 
So those moments, those awful moments when somebody says to you, oh, um, Colin will say something about that. You know, John will say something about that. You know, go on, what, what have you got to say? And suddenly you're sitting there thinking, oh, what do I say? And, and the tension is, is sort of inbuilt. Mm. Uh, so preparation is important. Understanding is important. Sincerity is important. Thinking about what you want to say along the lines of, this is my message. I want the listeners to receive that message in the best way I can give it them. So having a sense of positivity about the whole experience, surprisingly, can work. Actually feeling confident, making yourself feel confident because you think I have prepared well for this. I do know what I'm going to say. I do know how I want to do it and I want to enjoy it and I want my audience to enjoy it too. So always thinking about the audience, but make sure that you're well prepared. Yes, these are topics you touched on in that excellent podcast we did last year. It's almost a year ago now where we spoke about public speaking, where people, many of the people I work with are giving presentations to either individuals or many people online or face to face. And they have to really think not just about the voice, but about uh, many contextual things, things around the use of the voice uh, and the presentation. But as you say, it's people read a lot into the the way you sound. Uh, and you do a lot of coaching about that, don't you, Priscilla? Say a little bit more about the, the kind of services you offer to individuals and to groups. Yes. And actually, funnily enough, just before we started this meeting, I had the first chat with a, with a new client who's decided to come to me, um, who has a very quiet voice and she has just recently trained as a celebrant and has her first wedding in April but she her voice is getting tired because she actually doesn't know how to power it properly so it's a surprise surprise that that what I've been talking about is exactly what we'll be doing is teaching her how to do that breathing uh, and you talked about your um work with their language students and I do get a lot of clients who have English as a second language who want to understand the the, the minutiae of how to speak English well so they have the vocabulary but sometimes for various reasons some of the stresses might not be correct some of the shapings of the vowels may not be correct uh, they are, might be having some problems with um, omitting linking words or finish not completing all of their words and these are habits they're just habits um, sometimes which happen because when you were learning your English the person teaching you also had those habits and so you've taken them on board so we try and sort of iron out the, 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 the little issues to make them more confident really uh, and, and I suppose Another area which comes up frequently is someone who feels that their voice doesn't give enough emotion, enough connection with the words. It's rather flat. It's a bit boring. And again, most of the time, this is just because the person has got into the habit of doing it that way. Uh, and now they've, they've got to a situation where they need to enthuse an audience, to inspire an audience, so just to engage them because they've got something important to say. And so understanding all of the things that we have to play with in the voice, like our pitch range and our tone color and pauses and pace changes and inflections, it's, it's fascinating. Um, and I love working with it. <laughs> 
Thank you, Priscilla. We'll make sure there are good links to your own website, which gives further advice, but also very clear and direct access to your services um, that you can help Thank people you. Um, in professional fields and others where, you know, people really are conscious now that the voice is such an important part of a person's uh, professional life as well as obviously their personal life. And, you know, the voice is a bit like the name. It's such a key part of our personality. Uh, but driven and contextualized by so many things like being tired, you know, I'm tired myself now, not very well. That comes through in the voice and, you know, being aware of that, as you said at the very beginning, being self-aware is the beginning of this journey and not being too hard on ourselves, but also knowing what survival strategies we can employ um, in order to to make best use of our voice, even when it's compromised, even when we're struggling. Indeed. And I mean, it's, it's very topical at the moment, too, isn't it? Because uh, I, I believe that uh, some long COVID sufferers have been saying that the voice has definitely been impacted um, exactly. because of the tiredness, you know, mm -hmm. and the vocal cords, they do get tired. And, and if they're not getting the energy, uh, they are going to be, you know, a little bit floppy, not as tense as they should be when they come together, not having that that sort of pressure to contact the other the other cord. It, it is it's really a, a an issue that's something quite new that's come come up in the in the last year yes i think the demand for speech and language therapists is going to be you know increasing very considerably as it is with other kind of therapies including you know physical physiotherapy uh, because people are suffering in many different ways uh, having had covid you're, you're right yes. Priscilla, that's been fascinating. Thank you very much. I'll put energy into my voice as we finish. So, you know, the last dregs of my energy for the week. Yes, I'm, I'm hoping. Well, what won't help me tomorrow is going to, I'll put a plug in here for Matlock Town Football Club because I'm bound to, even though I don't want to go shouting tomorrow, I will be vocally supporting my football club. So uh, that never helps, but uh, I, I do enjoy it. Wonderful. Priscilla, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, John.